This is FBG Jen. And FBG Kristen. And I'm FBG Margot, host and producer. You're listening to the podcast that will help you keep a lid on the junk in the trunk and inspire you to live a happy and confident life. Each episode, we chat with motivational experts and celebs and share our own candid adventures in being healthy. If you're looking for a podcast that's equal parts hilarious and enlightening, well then welcome to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. Ready to calm your mind and nourish your body? We have found an amazing product to help you do just that. It's called Natural Recovery Greens, and we are obsessed with it. It's the total body wellness drink with superfoods, BCAAs, probiotics, and THC-free high-quality CBD all in one. Simply put, it's nutrition that you can feel. Learn more at naturalrecoverygreens.com and stay tuned for how you can save 10% and get a free shaker bottle on your first purchase of a 15-serving bag. Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. This is FBG Margo, and on the line today, we have FBG Jen. Hey. And we have FBG Kristen. Yo. And Jen, you and I spoke to our special guest today. Her name is Holly Perkins. And do you remember meeting her? I think we met her at the same time at the Fit Blogging Conference a few years ago. I think we did. And I think I took one of her sessions or like workout classes. And I remember her just being so light. Mm -hmm. and like her energy was just so like light and encouraging and uplifting and she was just she was just great is that how you remember her too yeah she's just this bubbly ball of energy and it was so interesting when we did this interview because she talked about the fact that in actuality for years and years she struggled with depression and yet put on this facade of being this happy-go-lucky instructor but she actually she didn't cure herself, but she really worked with her body and her mind by changing her dietary habits. And she really talks a lot about gut health here and how important that is for you. And then, Jen, you said there's a little bit of poop talk, too? Yeah, there's some poop talk. She gets into poop. So I would just say if you are eating right now, that's something you should just be aware of going into it. If you have a low tolerance for those type of things, Um you know, there's fair warning. If and you that's okay. Hey, not that's everybody fine. has to love talking about poop. <laughs> and that's fine. And if you're my best friend, Tish, she's like, great, this is going to be the best episode of my life. Can we do a whole entire episode on poop, please? So, yeah, which I'm sure Holly would actually come back and do. She was like super into gut health. And I, it's weird for me to say she's super into poop, but I think that there's some um, interest there. Yes. So question for a friend. Can we each get like a veto on a topic? <laughs> Do a whole show on? I'm just wondering because you know someone might ask me that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think we can bow out of certain topics. Absolutely, Kristen. Topics would bow out of, but yeah, poop. I'd be in for a poop episode. Anyway, we're going a whole different direction. <laughs> well, if you guys are interested in a poop episode or some stickers, <laughs> we have Fit Bottom Girls stickers. Just shoot us an email at podcast at fitbottomgirls.com. Also, please follow us on social media. It's always at either Fit Bottom Girl or Fit Bottom Girls, depending on it's Twitter and Instagram, whatever. Instagram's a great place, too. We, we post some contests there sometimes and giveaways. And if you please can leave us a 
five-star review in Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. That would be amazing. And we would read it on the air. And also, please just reach out and let us know if you have guest ideas or show ideas having nothing to do with poop. We would listen to that, too. So We really would. (laughs) Yes, we We would. We really, truly would. And if you don't like poop, don't stop listening to this episode because there's really not that much about poop in it. There's not. No, no, it's it's an awesome, awesome, awesome app. She's wonderful. You guys are going to love Holly Perkins. And she actually, she has some really great advice. Also, if you're recovering from an injury or you've just been injured. So it's a lot of good stuff in here. So let's just get right into this episode. It's with Holly Perkins. And here we go. Just a reminder that this podcast episode is sponsored by Natural Recovery Greens, which is designed to help calm your mind and nourish your body. Save 10% and get a free shaker bottle on your first purchase of a 15-serving bag with code FITBOTTOMED at naturalrecoverygreens.com. That's code F-I-T-B-O-T-T-O-M-E-D at naturalrecoverygreens.com. Holly Perkins is an expert in the health and fitness field with a bachelor's of science degree in exercise physiology and nutrition from Penn State University and as a certified strength and conditioning specialist and the founder of Women's Strength Nation. Holly is the author of Lift to Get Lean and a contributing expert for the top magazines including Women's Health, Prevention, Self, Shape, and Fitness as well as a regular contributor to Livestrong.com. Welcome to the show, Holly. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. This is FBG Margot, and on the line today we have FBG Jen. Hello. You believe that strength training can be helpful for women in their personal growth, as well as being really important to their long-term health and wellness. So can you please talk about this with our audience? Yes. So there's so much emerging research now that is showing the intimate relationship between our physical health and our mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Um, We all know the importance of activity and exercise and strength training and all of that. I think we're all in agreement there. But what's really emerging and what I'm spending more time speaking with women about is how we can actually approach our life from my perspective, from what I call an outside in approach, which means through the practice of physical conditioning and more specifically strength training, we're really able to change our mental, emotional, and spiritual life from this ability of feeling stronger on a physical level. And while that might not sound revolutionary, a simpler way of saying it is I think there's so there are so many conversations out there in the world that go along the lines of in order to live life, you have to get your psychology right or you have to get your internal calm right. And what I'm offering is for those of us that struggle with that kind of inside out approach, I have found great success with myself and my clients by doing the opposite. If I can get my physical body into an awesome place where I feel good physically, we have research that shows that transfers to your psychology. And so the approach is outside in. Let's get the physical body going on the outside and that has 
legitimate profound changes on your inside, your psychology, your positive mental attitude, the way that you speak with yourself, your spiritual, emotional life, all of that sort of stuff that's hard to touch, intangible. Um, I'm the queen of the tangible. And I think that's why I'm in body transformation is my, is my zone of genius. But when we really kind of dig into that, we see that women change on the inside as well. So when you have, you know, people come to you and you know, they are in an unhealthy place and maybe they're in a not very happy place. So doing this outside in approach, how do you get them then to, I guess, to, to commit to this? Because there is such a, you know, there is a mental component to making, to making change. So how do you get them to shift to a place where they're like, okay, I buy into this and I am ready to take the steps to work out with you this often? How do, how do you, how do you bridge that? So I do two things and I really find personality. There's two kinds of personalities. One is the person who shows up and wants a blueprint and they want me to tell them what to do. And they say, I will show up and I will do the work, but I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. People operate that way when they have a strategic comprehensive program that makes sense to them. And then there's a different personality where that be a bit overwhelming, that might be too much. And in case, what I do is I start with small, attainable lifestyle and behavioral changes that we can make because change is hard. Changing your body is hard. Changing your life is hard. But most of us are able to make three foot tosses each day, drink more water, do some journaling, fit into workouts this week. So depending on the personality, what I'll do is I will either approach it from, let's just get you taking action in small ways that are easy. Because as soon as you do that as a human, as soon as we take action towards something we want, there is all kinds of a cascade of positive things that come from it. And so if I can get you just making some positive changes, even on the small way, we just literally, um, it snowballs from there and it builds up and increases from there. So let's talk about gut health and nutrition. How important are they to a woman's well-being? And my follow-up question is, what are your favorite foods that you always make sure to have in your home? Oh my gosh. Okay. So gut everything, <laughs> especially for women. And I know you guys, but there is just more emerging research and organizations and really prolific thought thinkers and doctors that are really showing us that um, in some ways, so much of our entire being it does come back to gut health, uh, which is really, really amazing. I have a personal story with that earlier this year, which I'm happy to share if you guys are interested. But there is gut health is a lot, in particular women. Um, we just, you know, we're we are a bit more sensitive in every way, and I say that with like utter respect. We are more sensitive and that is an awesome thing. And that does mean that we do have to be a bit more conscious and selective about what we're putting into our body because how each of us responds to what goes into the digestive system and the gut really does influence everything down to our brain neuro neurochemistry and how we think, how we feel, our mood, everything. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but you know, there is this emerging health approach, which, which I'm hoping that it does grow. But 
um, in Mexico, they are performing fecal transplants for a variety of health conditions. And one of them that I think is so incredibly interesting is um, they will take a very, very small amount of bacteria, let's say, because when you hear fecal transplant, it sounds so disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone that I talk about this too, because I think it's like the most interesting science, people literally, their eyes go like eight different directions when I say fecal transplant, because um, I literally, if I could have a fecal transplant, I would do it in a heartbeat. And my girlfriend was like, you are out of your mind. And I'm like, no, you need to understand how it actually happens because it's brilliant. So this blows my mind. There are humans walking around in the world that actually have very healthy guts. I have a hard time believing that. I've never met one yet, but I'm told that they're out there. So there are people that have healthy guts. And what that means is they have a really healthy, robust garden of bacteria. And we can take a microscopic amount of the organisms that exist in their colon, okay, i.e. a fecal transplant. And we could take a very small section of that out of their digestive system, and they can transplant that into a human. And what we have found is that, and I shouldn't say we, because it's not like I'm, I'm part of this research, but I like to consider myself part of like, you know, the moving health forward worlds and communities. But what they have found is that you can take someone like myself who has a very substantial history of depression and anxiety. And if I were to receive a fecal transplant from someone who's perfectly healthy, we we can literally eradicate depression and anxiety and a lot of mood disorders. In fact, there's even research that shows you can full on change the behavior and the personality of people by changing their gut flora, which I just think is, it just speaks volumes, right? So I could go on and on. We could talk this whole episode about gut health and <laughs> fecal transplants, but I will spare you guys. Well, I do want to know your story. Me too. Okay. So my story is this. Oh, this is such a juicy one. When I was 12, for whatever reason, my parents chose to put me on antidepressants. And that was when Prozac was first coming onto the market. So I was put on Prozac at the age of 12. And um, disregarding wrong or right or decisions and whether I depressed or not, it doesn't really matter. What happened was for the rest of my life, I really walked through life with the operating system that I ha I'm a depressed person. I'm broken. I have broken brain physiology. Um, anytime I would feel down or depressed or sad, my response was, oh, right. Well, it's because I'm depressed. I just need more antidepressants. So I spent my entire life on and off antidepressants in and out of tons of therapy and never really made any progress. So a uh, right, right when I, right around when I turned 40, I just had a, you know, life just gave me a shit storm in the best way. And I went through some really, really hard personal challenges. And one thing led to another, I made the decision that I wanted to try and see if I could live life off antidepressants. So I worked with several medical professionals, doctors. I took almost two years to wean myself off of 15 years of being on an antidepressant, Wellbutrin XL. And then at four years, I was on another antidepressant. So I was on two antidepressants, one of them for 14 or 15 years. So I took a long stretch of time to get myself off both of those. That occurred about a year and a half ago when I officially and fully stepped off of both of those antidepressants. And as soon as I did, I got hit with a bunch of symptoms, um, a variety of symptoms, both health symptoms, emotional symptoms, like coming off of it was really, really hard. Long or what was determined through a lot of testing is that I had a very severe digestive intolerance. 
to grains and dairy. And as soon as I took those out of my diet, 90% of my depression symptoms, I would even say 98% of my depression symptoms disappeared, gone by taking dairy and grains out of my diet. And that led to another series of tests and medical doctors and so forth. Turns out that my brain neurotransmitters are actually really good, but I still have some of those symptoms of depression and anxiety, which um, one of the doctors that I works with really, she feels strongly that it points to gut biome and that my digestive gut biome is such that it's contributing to a lot of these symptoms that a doctor might call depression when really it's not depression. It's not classic depression. It's a collection of symptoms that look like depression. And so I'm now in that territory where I'm really getting, um, so into digestive health um, and tinkering with hormones and brain neurotransmitters to really see like, you know, is depression what we've all kind of come to think? Is it right? What is it really? It gets this ball, but in my personal story, it's like, mm, I don't think it's quite as simple as just saying you're depressed, take depressant. So that's piece of my personal story. Wow. So how has that impacted working with clients for you? Um, has that changed anything like your, your approach? Cause I mean, that wasn't, I mean, you said that was a year and a half ago. It wasn't that long ago, really. Yeah. Yeah. No, it absolutely has. So I am, so my degree is in exercise physiology and nutrition. And I think because of a lot of the story that I just shared with you, um, a huge part of my life was working on my physical body to optimize it, to feel better. And with my education and my years of experience of coaching people, I'm really good physical body transformation. Okay. So if I could take away any of your psychology, the ways that you sabotage yourself, your emotional life, all of that, I can, I can transform a body in really shocking ways. I'm really good at physical transformation. And so as I personally went through this very thing, like I can manipulate my body so easily if I want to. But then when I started to look at some of these internal symptoms, right, as I was navigating it on my own, it really did open up and change the way that I work with clients on a deeper level in terms of more sophisticated biochemistry, definitely gut health, and yes, looking at the mental, emotional, spiritual aspect of it as it all ties in, right? Like, how much of our challenges truly are rooted in psychology? And I know there are a lot of people, listen, there are ex, like bona fide experts on both ends of that spectrum. There are those that say psychology is everything and the subconscious is everything. And then there are a lot of really, really smart physicists that say, nope, it has everything to do with body biochemistry and neurobiochemistry and the chemistry of that's going on in your body is what causes you to think or feel or obsess or whatever it may be. And so I think what it did is it really just kind of brought me back to center and I'm able to work with my clients both on like, what are the nuts and bolts that you need to be doing in your workouts and your nutrition and on a deeper level, level, right? Why are we still struggling with whatever it may be? Because as you said, you know, at the top of this interview, it's like, yeah, change is hard for so many reasons and it's hard for all of us. So I think what it did is it's just really helped me, um, just sharpen my tools and it gave me a greater conversation to have with my clients. So going back to my question, what are your favorite foods that you always manage to keep at your home? Oh gosh. So 
I mean, that's such a hard question for me, right? Because I'll tell you what my favorites are, but that might not be what I would recommend for my clients, right? Okay. So my my favorites, um, let's see. This is a tough one. Turkey bacon is always in my house. Um, I always have prepared vegetables in my refrigerator. So I always have, uh, um, because of my digestive situation, like I can't do raw vegetables. So I always have steamed vegetables on the ready. I always have, um, some form of a complex carbohydrate on the ready. It's usually potatoes or sweet potatoes. I always have bone broth in my refrigerator. I always have green tea in my house. Um, and I always have beer. (laughs) Beer. That's awesome. (laughs) Beer is always in my refrigerator. Awesome. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Wait, so do you have to drink a gluten-free beer? No? No, you know what's so okay? interesting? Listen, I know it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Beer is the only alcohol that doesn't make me feel like poop. Interesting. I, and I listen, I don't drink that much. I probably have one or two beers a week, never on the same day. Um, I probably have one on a weekday and one on a weekend. It's the only alcohol that I don't feel terrible the next day. I know that doesn't make any sense. I think I probably feel pretty good on tequila. I just don't enjoy it that much. Mm-hmm. And so um, doing it once or twice a week, I don't I don't feel any negative fallout from the beer. But also, listen, gluten isn't so much of my problem. You know, gluten is only one piece of the conversation when we talk about grains. And so um, – while I do avoid gluten otherwise, I think because I don't do a lot of grains in general that when I do do a beer, it, it the fallout's not that bad. So what, what kind of beer is it? <laughs> I love, okay, no judgers allowed. I love a really super duper hoppy IPA, like the hoppiest IPA, like Sierra Nevada Torpedo, which is like a quadruple hoppy IPA. Um, I love Lagunitas, which is like a mild hoppy IPA, Um, Dogfish Head, um, what else? Those are my, those are my big go-tos. I mean, my, my tried and true is Lagunitas IPA. Those are really good. I think so. (laughs) I mean, not many people like IPAs. There's not a lot of women that like IPAs. It's just got that sort of like tannic, pungent bite, which I love. So, yeah. I love it too. I'm like a super, um, you know, there's like people that like bitter foods and people that don't like bitter foods. I'm like 100% like like raw kale, whatever, more bitter, dark coffee, hoppy stuff. Me too. Me too. We're technically oh called non-tasters, but I think that's not fair because I actually have a pretty good palate. So <laughs> I'm so with you. Like we, um, I was with my assistant Cindy at the gym yesterday and she went and got a bulletproof that the cafe makes and it literally tasted like butter water. And I was like, they need to put about 14 shots of espresso in that because it just wasn't like coffee enough. You know, like I like my coffee strong. I like my, my beer, like my chocolate strong. Yep. I like my men strong. <laughs> I like my workout strong. Exactly. Um, can you talk a little bit about what your, your workout are like? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, I really hope this is a message to all women So I am now 46, which I can't believe I'm that age already, but every single year past the age of 36, I have leaned into strength training more and more and more and more. I'm now at the point where I do almost no cardio um, because I get so much benefit from strength training. So my... 
yoga as well. And I do do cardio in the form of like walking and hiking. I walk my dog, I go hiking, but it's not really um, legitimate or appropriate cardio, honestly. Like I'm not really getting my heart rate into a cardiovascular heart rate zone when I'm walking or hiking. But um, the majority of my workouts, I mean, the gym and I'll spend an hour and a half to two hours strength training um, as often as possible, definitely three days a week often four days a week. And the more that I do that, the better I feel. I just find that cardio is so taxing for my body. And the more I lean into strength training, the better my body looks, the better my energy, the better my mood, my hormones are more balanced. I just feel better. And so, yeah, I would say I do three to four pretty serious strength workouts a week. I do yoga twice a week. I walk my dog all the time. I have a border collie puppy and so I'm sorry, Australian shepherd puppy. He just walk, you know, loves exercise. And then I hike Runyon Canyon probably twice a week. And so, um, but the real like effortful workouts are my strength workouts for sure. So for your strength workouts, do you like, are you, you doing, are you doing like circuits, supersets? Give us an inside peek there. I'm a big fan of tried and true straight sets, um, that's volume-based workouts with rest phases. So tried and true old school, traditional, almost like a, but not the traditional, um, like sarcoplasmic hypertrophy that a bodybuilder would go after. I do a proper warm up. I do a movement based prep series of moves to get my body and then I'm doing things like deadlifts and walking lunges and goblet squats and RDLs and bench press. And I used to do pull-ups. I've lost some strength. I'd like to get back to that. But, you know, traditional back exercises like rows, bent over rows, pull downs. And my approach really is a straight set. So I do a set of about, I really believe in um, higher weight loads and lower reps. And then I'm giving myself a concerted rest for about a minute, 45 seconds to a minute between sets. And that, I just find that brings me the most results for the time spent. And um, I know that anytime I start to do circuit training or um, HIIT workouts or high intensity stuff, I just burn out really, really, really fast. And so um, like a traditional straight set protocol approach really just gives me, really gives me unlimited progress that I'm able to, to go with and grow with. So I was reading your blog and you talk about developing optical mechanics and how strength training can help prevent faulty mo movement patterns. Can you talk a little bit about that, please? Yeah. So, you know, as an upright human on two feet, we move about our day, right? We stand up, we get out of bed, we sit down into chairs, we sit into our cars or however you get to work. You sit down, you stand up, you pick up, you pull, you twist. And so we are constantly facing a relationship with gravity just simply by being a human here on earth. And it's your muscles that are fighting that battle. So your muscles are what are energetically pushing and pulling against gravity to keep your bones in place. And it is at our joints generally, okay, for most of us, it is at our joints where we get injury, the shoulders, the elbows, the knees, the ankles, the hips, the wrists, those are all joints. So it's where the bones are articulating and your bones are articulating 
because of your muscles, not because the bones are articulating because they like to. It's because your muscles are putting them where they are. And so the only way to really change the relationship of your shoulder girdle to your upper arm to avoid a shoulder injury is to train those muscles to hold those bones in specific positions that are optimal for mechanics and movement throughout your day. And of course, during your workout, right? Um, But, you know, your daily life is a mini workout all day long. Just look at, you know, a grandparent or someone who's old and deconditioned. Do you really realize like they can't even get through a day because they don't have the muscular strength for it? So I'm really big in helping women to reinforce the strength and the balance of the muscles that are responsible for our primary movement patterns in a day. So for example, um, you know, something called a level change. When you go up and down a stair, when you're moving your body across a level change, up a flight of stairs, down a flight of stairs, that's called a level change. And that movement pattern is governed by certain muscles working a certain way. And I'm a huge fan of really using your workouts and the exercises you choose to properly reinforce those movement patterns so that you're just better in everything that you do all day long. Um, A, it's going to promote graceful aging. B, reduce any kind of injury, whether your injury happens at work or in your life, but also C, it's just what makes you feel better. It gives you a better energy if your muscles are really holding you up better in space. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of really looking at kinesiology, how the human body moves. So with that in mind, what advice do you have for, you know, lifting, how, I guess, how much weight to, to lift, to move? Um, and obviously it's going to depend on, you know, age and experience and strength and everything like that. But are there some general guidelines and advice that you can give um, women onwards? Yeah. So in my book, Lift to Get Lean, I talk about the three p- principles of strength. And one of those principles is very specifically whatever your programming is, okay, whether you are circuit training or, um, you know, doing supersets or monster sets or straights really even matter what your protocol is. It's critical that the last two to three reps of every set need to be very, very difficult um, and demonstrate a loss of technique. And if you apply that, all of your strength workouts, as long as you are challenged your muscular strength, right? In this, you know, this particular facet of fitness, right? This component of fitness, muscular strength, and maybe muscular endurance. But you are really forcing your muscle to have to do work that it can't quite do 100%, you're going to cause an increase in strength. Your body is going to adapt. It's going to change. You're going to get strong. And so a lot of people say, okay, well, how many reps should you be doing? Well, that really depends on your fitness programming and what your goals are. So what we're talking about right now and what I'm saying is it doesn't even matter what your reps are. Reps could be five. As long as the last two reps are really, really hard and demonstrate a loss of form, slight, slight, slight loss of form, you're going to be overloading the muscle and the muscle to adapt. And that, that is what the simplest explanation that I've been able to figure out, <laughs> which is just a principle, you know, which we've known for a yep. hundred years. It's perfect. Yeah. 
a little birdie told me that you were a fan of one of our episodes, which, which was with Dr. Sleep, the sleep doctor, excuse me, Dr. Michael Bruce. And it's one of our yes. more, most popular episodes. Jen and I were on that interview. We both love doing that interview. So my question for you is, what is your sleep routine and how much sleep do you try to get each night? Oh my God, this is a juicy one. I'm, <laughs> I'm obsessed, you guys. I'm obsessed with sleep. It's the coolest thing ever, yep. right? Yep. To think that like your brain is shutting down all of your body function. It can basically like detoxify itself is the coolest thing ever. Okay. So I have spent many years getting good at sleep and I would like to announce that I'm pretty much a champion sleeper. I'm really good. I have incredible sleep habits and I sleep great. That all being said, I try to get as much as I possibly can. And, um, you know, in this past few years, I've been trying to, I've been, you know, rewriting my story and getting off antidepressants. I have prioritized my life to get as much sleep as my body needs. And it's a really interesting experiment. If any of you guys ever able to construct your life to run this experiment, it's really cool. So pretty much what I do is I give myself the option of nine to 10 hours of sleep. And what I find is that if I give myself the option for that much sleep, I'm learning I don't need that much. Um, and so I've really come to find out what my body legitimately needs, which is about eight hours is what my body needs. Eight to eight and a half. I do really well and I feel awesome. Um, and I have all kinds of like sleep hab ha um, hygiene habits, you know, if, if, if we want to, <laughs> there's a whole lot, but, um, one of the things, a couple of things that I think there's three things that I think have been really helpful. Number one is I really cultivate a certain kind of mentality as I go into sleep. So I've got a little bit of a ritual that I do before I go to sleep at night, um, a prayer of sorts or a journaling exercise of sorts where I really set my intention to sleep deeply restoratively. So I incorporate, you know, psychological skills to help myself sleep well. Um, I do, I have found some supplements that really help me in particular tryptophan. Um, I have found helps me a lot with sleep, which is an amino acid for people who don't know what tryptophan is. It's just, um, it's the, one of the amino acids that's present in Turkey. And that's why we say Turkey makes you sleepy that you can take isolated L-tryptophan. And that really helps me to sleep at night by boosting um, serotonin and other brain neurotransmitters. And then um, last thing that really has helped me is watching my caffeine. I mean, I really got to keep an eye on my caffeine. And as long as that's in check and I do those three things, I sleep awesome. And it's a game changer. It is because you feel so much better. Yeah. I know. I have, I have a, I have a three and a half year old and it's like three years of sleep deprivation. <laughs> I know. I know. I so know. Do you, you, have, it's, do you have a morning ritual too, or a morning kind of practice that kind of bookends that? Yeah, I do. So similar to what I have a different little ritual in the morning and, um, I just like practices and one of them is really do have to get my head on straight before I turn my phone on. Um, so before I start looking at my phone in any capacity, I make sure that my head is in very positive space. And then I also have a, again, sort of like a, we could maybe call it a prayer or a meditation practice that I do in the morning and it can take different forms. Sometimes I do journaling, sometimes 
just, you know, speak out certain sentences, mantras of sorts, intention setting. But when, for me, really working through de- uh, depression and anxiety, I have these practices. Like it's just not an option. If I don't, if I don't really lean into these practices, my days are rough. And if I do lean into these practices, I've got really, really good days. I want to go back to the depression and the anxiety a little bit, if you don't mind. So you're off the medication now, and and obviously you should discuss all these things with your doctor before you do anything like that, uh, making any of those kind kind of changes. Do you think that the kind of workouts that you do also help with your mood and your mindset? I mean, a hundred percent. So, you know, as I said, when I was 12, my parents put me in and again, that's, that's, that's a whole, you know, just can of worms to discuss. But when I was young, shortly thereafter that age, I became physically active in a variety of ways. And by the time I got into middle school and high school, I was obsessed with dance aerobics. I mean, this was the days of like Jane Fonda, right? Cause I'm 46 now. This was in the eighties dance aerobics was my everything. And, um, when it came time for me to go to college and my parents put the pressure on me to determine what I was going to be when I grew up, the only thing that really like was part of my soul was I loved exercise and that ended up being my calling in life. I went on to college and got a degree in exercise physiology and nutrition. And I've been in this industry my entire career now. So now that I am looking at this conversation of depression and anxiety, what I know for certain is that the reason why I loved it so much in high school and middle school was because it was the antidepressant qualities I was getting from the exercise. And it was the only time <clears throat> that I felt happy or euphoria or joy was when I was using my body. And I think that's why I'm in the business that I'm in these days, because it was the only thing that I really like loved. So for me now in this part of my journey, um, exercise is not an option. I have to do it. And Um, whereas when I was on antidepressants, I could skip a workout for a week if I was traveling and I wouldn't feel well, but I could get through it. Sort of like exercise is my antidepressant and it's a medicine. I take it every day and I have to be very responsible about it because I have to do enough. I have to do the right kinds and I can't do too much. If I do too much, that's when the anxiety comes in. Uh, and if I don't do enough, that's when the depression sets in. So it really is, it's still a medicine for me. And, you know, I, I, I find this being my medicine. I just have to be a little bit more responsible than to be when I was in my twenties. So you have something on your, um, Instagram account, which is really lovely. I like your, your Instagram account to follow but you have this beautiful quote that said broken crayons still color mm. and I was like <laughs> so much I um, know so I'd love to know like what does true strength mean to you oh gosh oh that's such a good question and I think that that quote broken crayons still color really exemplifies it I think true strength is getting back up you know that's really all it is it's like we are going to stumble we do. That is what human does in big ways and in small ways. And just having the courage to get back up again is strength. It doesn't matter how well you get back up. It doesn't matter how long it takes you to get back up. Getting back up is strength. And I've, you know, a big part of my conversation has always been, um, 
my life has just been a million stumbles and I just get back up, I get back up. And I think, you know, if you can continue to do that, that's where you really start to trust yourself and, um, discover your own color and your own strength. That rings so true for me because I'm rehabbing an injury right now. Um, I, I fractured my ankle and I'm to the point now where I actually, I can walk in a walking boot and it is like my life has completely changed. Like I've learned to appreciate such little steps that I can do now, you know, since, since I was hurt. And so I, I really liked that, that quote too. So thank you for including that. And I, do you have any advice for people that are you know dealing with injuries? I think first and foremost, I mean, I think your community knows this, but um, there is a tendency for all of us when we're injured to go down the path of, oh, see, I shouldn't have been doing that activity or, oh, see, exercise injures me or, oh, well, I'm broke, you know, I've got an injury, so I shouldn't be working out. Um, you know, anything that would discourage you from activity, I really encourage people to move away from when you have an injury, it's simply a setback. Let's look at how athletes come back from all kinds of serious injuries. They come back from it and they do it by going into rehab. They do it by going into, um, strength, mobility, flexibility, all kinds of exercises and rehab to bring yourself back to full functioning. And so I think, you know, an injury is simply a setback so that you can learn a new way and so that you can come back better. Every injury I've had caused me to re-engineer how I was using that body, that body part mm. in all ways. And so now I'm nearly bulletproof. I dropped a 15 pound dumbbell on my foot last week. Ooh. And I didn't suffer anything substantial other than some pretty heavy bruising. I didn't break my feet. I didn't break my toes. I, you know, I literally was just like, okay, I'm fine. And I think that's because I really am always training my body to be optimal in terms of performance and mechanics. And so, and that's because I've had all the injuries. I've had the ankle injury, the back, the hip, the shoulders, you know, I've had all of them. And each time I had that injury, I relearned a better way to use that joint and to use the muscles around that joint. And I feel like I've just kind of rebuilt myself back. Like after all those injuries, I'm now built anew, right? And so now all of my body parts work even better, really. And so I think the thing is, you got to stay positive when you've got an injury and you're coming back. Just remember, and I'll say this to you personally, it's like, it's just some time off. It's just some time to nurture yourself, take care of your body, um, and just really, you know, nurture yourself back to full functioning and you can get there. You will get there. So just in some ways, kind of like enjoy the moment, enjoy the downtime and know that you're going to ultimately get back to where you want to be. It's just going to take some time and that's okay. So what's next for you and how can people um, connect with you and, and work with you? So what's next is I'm working on a nutrition book, which I'm very excited about. Um, that's down the road. And I am really loving um, building up all of my virtual programming. So I now have created a lot of different virtual programs that people are able to take advantage of no matter where they are in the world. And, and um I've been really pretty amazed and shocked at how 
much they're helping women and how, how much my programs are changing lives. And so lately I'm just really inspired to lean into offering even more virtual programming for people. Um, cause there's just nothing better. I get these emails for women that are heartfelt, tear filled emails on how I legitimately change their lives. And that just like is so huge for me. So I am continuing to build up and build out all of my virtual programming. Um, I have a right now, probably my most popular coaching program is a body transformation program called the comeback. And you can learn more about that on my website, hollyperkins.com forward slash the comeback, or you can just go to my website and find it. Um, but yeah, it's rooted in strength training. And I really want all women to really understand how to take advantage of strength training and use it for whatever their own personal goals are. It doesn't have to be to lose weight. It doesn't have to be to get skinny and lean. Like strength training can change your mood if you're battling depression and anxiety, or if you're just feeling tired, right? Strength training is so, so helpful. So all of my programs have a strong foundation of effective strength training. And, um, I have a, I actually offer a six week workout program completely for free for people so that they can sort of take a look at what my programming looks like. And for anyone who's sort of, um, either had a setback or is getting back on their feet or is wanting to explore new ways of strength training, it is a completely free six week program. Uh, and it's, uh, you can get that at hollyperkins.com forward slash off. Like I said, it's totally free. You just put in your email address. We send it to you. And um, I've been getting a lot of really, really cool feedback on that. So yeah, I think that's what's next. Can you please tell everybody where they can find you on social media as well? On Instagram at Holly Perkins, Facebook, Holly Perkins Fitness. And we have one more question for you if you're ready. Yeah. So we ask this of everybody who appears on the show. Holly. What was the last song you listened to before you did this podcast interview? Oh, dear. That's a hard one because I'm always <laughs> listening to music. Oh, no. Okay. My assistant put on the Ariana Grande channel. On <laughs> and so I don't know if this is Ariana Grande or not, but you know. I could write a song with my new piano. <laughs> Do you know that one? I piano. Think so. Oh my That's god. That's hilarious. It is such a teeny bopper, hilarious, upbeat song, but it has been in my head. Piano. I think it's Ariana Grande, but it might be like Selena Gomez. It might be one of those like teeny boppers, <laughs> but oh my god, I love that song. <laughs> I don't think we've had that many guests who've actually sung it. So like props and high fives for that because you went for it and that's great. I love that. Such a fun song. You guys need to go listen to it. It's gonna it'll put you in the best mood. It's sort of like um Call Me Maybe by Carly Jepsen. Oh, absolutely I love that song. <laughs> it's just, it just like puts you in a good mood. It's so great. <laughs> I'm going to off to Spotify it right now. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so oh, much. God. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It was really great to have you on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Love this show. Tell us why in a five-star review on iTunes and we'll read it on the air. Also make sure you are a subscriber. If you want to reach out to say hi or have a question about a recent episode, yay. Well, feel free to email us at podcast at fitbottomgirls.com. And if this podcast jives perfectly with your brand, consider sponsoring the show. Get more info by emailing advertising at fitbottomgirls.com. 
Find all kinds of Fit Bottom goodness online and on social media at Fit Bottom Girls, Fit Bottom Mamas, Fit Bottom Eats, and Fit Bottom Zen. And if books and movies are your thing, check out the other podcast I co-host called Book vs. Movie, which you can find anywhere where you search for podcasts. Thanks for listening.